All right, I'm talking to you about money. Did your folks teach you a lot about money? Mine didn't. About the only thing my mom and dad ever taught me about money was this. You don't know the value of a dollar. Both of them said that. And they didn't teach me the value of a dollar. They didn't teach me anything about money. I knew nothing about how money worked. And there's a good reason for that. My parents didn't know how money worked. They didn't know how money worked. My dad filed bankruptcy. He uh, did not do well in business. My mother could not keep a job. Her temper wouldn't let her keep a job. She worked hard, but she would always get mad at the boss. And after about eight or nine months, doesn't matter who it was, whatever boss she had, she told him to go take a hike, and she had to start all over again. So needless to say, we never had any money. When I got saved and started going to church, I didn't have any money. I didn't know anything about money. And so if you don't know anything about money, money will not come to you. You won't have any. you got to learn about money if you want to have money. And God's people really don't do a very good job talking to their kids. or We don't even do a good job of it at church. Listen to what Jesus Christ said. Luke 16, 8. For the children of this world, those are the guys that are out there this morning, the ones with hangovers, all those guys, in dealing with their fellow men, act with more business sense than those who have the light. Jesus Christ said, my children don't have as much business sense as the people of the world. So we got to change this. And I believe it starts in the church. And in the church, we teach people how to give all the time. We really haven't done the best job teaching people how to receive. So if you don't know about money, you're going to fall into one or two ditches. All right? It's just naturally how we fall. Some of us are going to get into the get money side. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmless, harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. So that's what happens when you chase money. But it isn't that God doesn't want you to have money. He does. He just wants you to chase something else. So here's what Proverbs says. And these are, are very important to us because the other ditch is, well, don't worry about money. Just love God and everything will take care of itself. That's not really true. There are a lot of good people who do not have what they need. And they love God, but they don't know anything about money. But God wants to teach you about money. Now listen to Proverbs 8. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? I love those who love me and those who seek me, find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. Stop. When you go to work out, you never go to the gym saying, how much can I sweat today? <laughs> Man, I want to sweat. I got to sweat. I hope I sweat. Do, do any of your gyms have little sweat gauges where they t stick a little container up to you and say, ooh, you sweat a lot today. And the, the person who sweats the most wins? I used to play basketball with a guy who sweated all the time. I always wanted him on my team because I did not want him to guard me. Because if he got close to you, he slimed you. Oh, it was gross. He sweat. It's like it's a fountain flowing out of this guy. Just sweat, 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 sweat. But he didn't have very big muscles. So you see, sweat is not the indicator of a great body or great physique or great athletic ability because he didn't have that. He just could sweat. And so what I want you to see is we don't go to the gym to sweat, we go to exercise. But along the way, you know you're going to sweat. If you go after wisdom, the book of Proverbs says that with it come riches and honor. The riches and honor will come with the wisdom. So what you want to do is go after the riches, or not the riches, but the wisdom. My fruit is better than fine gold. He didn't say that there's no gold involved. He just said it's better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. God said when you go after wisdom, that's when you're going to find the right kind of money. You find money that blesses you, blesses other people. It's not a curse to either one of you. Yeah. Now, so God's people are not to chase money, but we are to chase wisdom. What are we after? We're after wisdom because wisdom is God's currency. 
A lot of people don't know this. God has currency. It's not the U.S. dollar. It's certainly not the peso. And it's not the euro. God's currency is wisdom. In other words, when God gives you back, he gives you wisdom. The problem with us is when we need something from God, we start looking for money. We're looking for money. God says, quit looking for money. Look for wisdom, and the wisdom brings you the money. The wisdom will cause money to come your way, but you got to quit looking for money itself. you got to look for wisdom. Because if you get money without the wisdom, you hurt yourself. Because money is a very powerful tool. And if you have it and don't have wisdom, you wreck your life. So God wants you to have wisdom so you can have the money. And when you get the money and the wisdom, you're a blessing to yourself, to your family, to other people. Can I get an amen? amen? How many of you know people who have money and they're stupid? And they do stupid things. And their kids do stupid things. And they wind up messing their lives up, even though they got tons of money, but they got no wisdom. So wisdom is more important, and it's better to have than just money. Very, very important. It is the currency of the kingdom of God. So when God gives to me, he gives me wisdom. Now, now think about this for a minute. Right now, right where you sit, there are all kinds of radio signals buzzing right past your head. If you had a radio this morning and you had a little earpiece where you could listen to your transistor radio, you'd be picking up Spanish stations, you'd be picking up country western, you could pick up rock, you could pick up classic rock, you could pick up talk radio. There are just so many different stations. Who knows? There may be 50 radio stations broadcasting right over this room right now. All right? But if you don't know how to receive them... It doesn't do you any good. So it is with God's wisdom. God's wisdom is raining on people. It's crying out all the time. I could say this morning, does not the radio cry out? Well, if you don't have a receiver, you're not hearing it. And the same thing is true with God's wisdom. God's wisdom is exploding all around us. But if we don't know how to receive it, if we can't turn on our little receiver and put the earpiece in, you're never going to get anything out of the signal. So it's very important that you learn how to receive. Now, God doesn't give anybody money. Deuteronomy 8.18, listen to this. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. God doesn't give you money, doesn't give you wealth. He gives you the ability to get it. That's different, Okay. He doesn't give it to you directly. I used to, when I first got saved, to go to church on an empty tank of gas. I'd drive 21 miles, and I would pray, God, you've got to help me, man. I don't know how I'm going to get home tonight, but I know I had to come to church. I was so hungry for God and all that, and God would give me money. Now, at first, I would open my wallet, and I would look to see if he put something there while I was in the service. He never did do that. You know why he doesn't do that? Because he doesn't counterfeit. God's not making $1 bills or 20s or 50s or 100s. He's not doing that. God doesn't counterfeit. But he uses people. And so I was down at the altar one night praying, and I had my eyes closed, and I felt somebody tuck a little note in my hand. And I, and I thought, oh, God, you know, I, I don't know if I should look or not look. And, and I saw just enough of this lady to know she was dressed in all white. I thought it was an angel. It was a little cleaning lady. And she had come straight from work. She cleaned at a hotel. And she came right to church, and that little lady on her meager salary gave me $10. And that was what I needed to get home that night. I had to have some gas money. And so I go home on a a full tank of gas because of this sweet little Christian lady. Now, God used people like that in my early walk with him to get money to me. But eventually that dried up. People don't do that anymore. People don't come to me and say, you look like you could use a tank of gas. Let me get it for you. It doesn't happen anymore. That is nice for us when we start out, but a lot of people expect to live that way the rest of their lives. It's a terrible way to live. It's the lowest level of God's provision. Listen to what Jesus said himself. He said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, we all say that, don't we? We, we believe that. Do you believe it? If you don't believe it, then you're saying Jesus is a liar. All right. Who gets the biggest blessing, the giver or the receiver? The giver gets the biggest blessing. 
Why is that? Because he's got something to give. He's in a better place. The most blessed person is the one who's doing the giving. What we got to do is we got to get you out of the where's my money coming from into who can I bless. That's where we want to get you to. That's where God wants to get you to. And by the way, you can get there. Somebody said, I don't know how. It's because your parents didn't teach you anything about money. A lot of times, even in church, we didn't learn how money flowed. So God's not going to give you money. And when we need money, what do we do? We start looking out there. Who out there is going to give me money? Well, probably not very many people because I'm going to tell you something. People don't get up in the morning thinking about ways to get you their money. That may, now, are you kidding me, Pastor? No, I'm not kidding you. It's the truth. People don't get up every morning thinking about how they can give you their money. They're thinking about how they can get your money. Isn't that the truth? All right. So quit thinking about, well, they're all thinking about me. No, they're not thinking about you. They could care less about you. They don't care about the financial pressure you're under. They don't care about that. So the sooner you realize that and realize that your heavenly father cares about that and he wants to take care of you, he has a way and he wants to get money to you. Now listen to this. Paul said to the church at Philippi, and let me tell you about these guys. They were the number one most generous church in all the New Testament. They gave more than the Corinthians. They gave more than the people of Galatia. They gave more than the Ephesians with 100,000 members in the church at Ephesus. But the Philippians gave more. They gave more than the Romans. They gave more than any other church in the New Testament. And here's what Paul said to them. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, that's where Philippi is, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and, what's the next word? Receiving, Receiving, except you only. Paul said, look, this thing that God does with money, it's called giving and what? Giving and what? We get taught how to give all the time. We don't get taught how to receive. I want to help you. I want to teach you how to receive. I sat in church for years. And the preachers would say, I gave in an offering. God bless me. And somebody I didn't even know walked up and gave me $10,000. And so somebody says, well, I'm going to give an offering. I want somebody that I don't even know come up and give me $10,000. So you gave your offering and that person you didn't know never showed up. And you think, all right, God. The preacher said, when you give, somebody you don't know is going to come give you money. What's wrong with that? It's not the whole story. I'll show you why as we go through this message, but it's not the whole story. It's only the tip of the iceberg. And I, I know they mean well. What they're trying to do is emphasize the miraculous goodness of God. Okay, I get that. But it's not, it's not the full truth. Because there's a reason people give you money. The the preacher who got the money may not have known the person who gave it to him, but the person who gave it to him knew him. And he heard a message, or she heard a message that blessed her or him, and they said, I'm going to give them something. So there was a connection there. It's not no connection whatsoever. There was a connection, and we don't think about that. I told you a bit ago about my mom, about how about every eight months she'd quit her job. Some jobs she held a little longer than that, but most of the time she got mad and she quit. The reason she never got ahead financially, and to this day, she'd be in the street if it wasn't for me taking care of her, which I'm happy to do. But the point I want to make is this. She would never have made it because she destroyed all of her relationships. Money flows with relationships. You can't tell people, stick it in your ear and expect to do good with money. You're going to have to be careful how you treat people. I didn't say you had to kiss up to people. Didn't say that. But you can't destroy everybody around if you want to have money. Am I helping anybody? All right. Now, so we have to understand that God doesn't give us money 
but he does give us the power to get it, and the power to get it is through wisdom. Money has to be converted. Money doesn't just show up. It doesn't grow on trees. It's not laying on the ground. It has to be converted. You know, when God created the world, this keyboard, it was here. Every part of that keyboard. Some of it was deep in the earth in petroleum products because there's some plastic in here. Some of it is glass, so some of this was sand on the seashore or on a riverbed somewhere. The, some of it was ore in the middle of the earth because it had to be wired and screws had to be made out of different metals. So this was here. This floor was here. Your chairs were here. They just didn't look like that. They existed in some other form. And so what we are kind of deceived by, that maybe 150 years ago people had more understanding of, it was easy to look at your furniture and your stuff and know that it came out of the earth 150 years ago because we had very basic furniture, wood, metal, things like that, that were very simple. Okay, So we knew it came out of the earth. It had to be converted. But today, because our, our, our manufacturing is so much more complex, this doesn't feel like it came out of the earth, but it did. So everything in this world was converted from something else. It started out as something else. So money doesn't just show up. It has to be converted. Something is making these lights work right now. Something is making this PA system work right now. It is an incredible force. It's called electricity. Isn't that right? How did it get here? How did electricity come to this building? Well, they got a lightning strike. They just put up a pole and lightning strikes it and boom, we got electricity here. Well, it's electricity, but it doesn't do you any good. Electricity has to be harnessed and it has to flow through a channel. Everything that blesses you comes through a channel. Your water, it comes through a channel. Your cable TV comes through a channel. The natural gas in your house comes through a channel. Your high-speed internet comes through a channel. Everything, your sewer leaves your home. Thank God for the channel. <laughs> Everything flows through a channel that's a blessing to you. Your job is a? Okay. You know where we get into trouble? We don't consider that our job is just a channel. We have a tendency to look at the job as our source. God is our source. The job's just a channel. Am I helping anybody? All right. So now what I want you to see is you've got to learn to convert stuff to money. You've got to learn what is it that we convert to money. Can you count to four? One, two, three, four. There are only four things you can convert to money. Let me tell you what they are. Number one, in all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tends only to penury or poverty. Number one, work. Work turns into money. If you don't want to work, you're not going to have much money. Now, when you start working, if you start thinking, you will probably learn how to work smarter. You might even decide to go get a degree or get some training, and it makes your work much more valuable. Guess what happens? When your work is more valuable, you get more money per hour for your work. Is that not right? All right. Now, doctors make more money than ditch diggers. Doctors don't work 400 hours a week. There aren't 400 hours in a week. So it's not just the volume of their work that makes them more money. It is the value of their work, and it's because of their wisdom. And that's primarily what the doctor is selling to you. He is primarily selling you his wisdom when you go to see the doctor. He has studied the human body. He may be a specialist in a particular area. He can begin to talk with you about your symptoms, run tests on you, and come back with hopefully a cure for what it is that you're facing. So the doctor is a great illustration of the difference between just work and smart work. So the second thing that brings us money is wisdom. Wisdom can be turned into money. It's what I'm doing today. I'm giving you wisdom. 
You guys have been very generous with me already, and you didn't even know it. You already gave me an offering check. Pastor Jim did. I'm going back to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tuesday morning, I'm going to deposit your check on the way home from the airport. I make no apologies. Now, let me tell you why. I'm going to change your life today and tomorrow night. I'm going to talk to you about money. Some of you young people have very little money right now, but that's going to change. And I know this because I've been doing this for 25 years. Now, I've been in ministry 47 years, but about 25 years ago, I started looking at young people in my church, and I said to them, you don't have any money right now, but you're going to have because you have the right heart. And if you listen to me, God, and I can't tell you how. Only God can tell you how. You'll figure it out. But God's going to give you ideas. I got guys who own car dealerships. I got guys who started out with nothing, who are building whole neighborhoods today. They started out just with one house at a time. Now they're building neighborhoods. I've got guys in every business you can imagine who would say, listening to Pastor George changed my life, and it took me from having nothing into being blessed financially. Because I taught people how money works. And that's what I'm going to do with you. I'm going to teach you how money works. Now, what I want you to see is you can convert wisdom to labor or to money. Labor and wisdom together make money. Then there are products. Now, here's what's cool about a product. When you make a product, now you have something to sell, and you don't have to work after you sell the product. Your product goes out there and it pays you. It, it, so the more of those products you can make, that's when you're really getting into the flow where you're selling lots of this or lots of that and your product is out there making you money. That's the third thing. And then here's one more thing in all the world that you can convert into money. 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 Money makes money. Once you get money, you can loan your money. Jesus talked about people making money by loaning money. Now, when you charge too much interest, it's wrong. It's called usury. The Bible condemns that. But there's nothing wrong with it if you're fair. So God expects us to make money and to use our money, to be a blessing to people. It's a blessing when you can loan money to people that have proven themselves capable of repaying it and so forth. All right, now, what I want you to see is that money has to be converted. So what do you have that you're going to convert? You've got to learn to think of yourself like a company. I'm a company, and I make products. What is your product? Right now, your product may just be showing up and going to work doing someone else's idea. You don't know it, but you're already working someone else's idea. Your job was someone else's idea. You're in there working their idea, and you're getting paid. But it was an idea that started. Now you're working off someone else's idea. I'm going to talk to you about how to have your own ideas. You may have some other ideas you've never even thought of. And in the beginning, they may not make you very much money. But if you listen to me, it's amazing how sometimes these little ideas can start out as something little on the side, and the next thing you know, the idea takes over your world. All right. Now, here's the next thing I want to share with you about money. Money flows in channels. When God spoke to the children of Israel through the prophet Malachi, he said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. You know what a window is? It's a channel. It's not a whole lot different than a pipe. It's not very deep, but it is a channel. That window channels light in from the outside into your house. Open it and it brings in fresh air. Okay, if a fire happened in your house, you couldn't get to the door, it channels you. You crawl out through the window. In fact, there are a lot of stories in the Bible about people crawling out through windows. So windows are channels. They're avenues of blessing. God said, I'll give you the windows, and through these windows, I'm going to pour out blessing. God sends money and channels. Money doesn't just show up at your door. It shows up because of relationship. So I want you to think about how this relationship works. The relationship doesn't start with the money coming to you. The relationship starts 
when there's something flowing out of you. All right, now listen. The power company, okay, every month they send you a bill. They know that they had better tell you how to get that bill paid and get the money to them. So they give you a little return envelope and a little coupon so you can put your check in the mail or you can have it deducted right out of your bank account. And so they create an avenue for that money to come back to them. Isn't that the way it works? They give you the power first, and then you have to send the money back to them. But they give something to you, you give it back to them. There's a relationship there. All right? Same thing works with water, cable TV, all of that. It all works through relationship, and it flows through a channel. I want you to think about what it is that you're giving to your employer. That's where it all starts. You're working for somebody else. You're giving a product. What kind of product are you giving? Do you have a product that stands out from all the other people? Is your product better than your coworkers? Do you work with a better attitude? Do you begin to anticipate what the boss is going to tell you to do and you get it done before he ever asks? Do you show up early or are you constantly having to be told what to do? If you are constantly being told what to do and you never learn and you're always being motivated to do what you're supposed to do, you're not going to live at a very high level of prosperity. It's not coming to you. I'm going to tell you something. It is how you give that causes you to receive. That's just how it works. So I learned a long time ago, I want to stand out. I want to outdo the other guy. Somebody says, but the boss doesn't always pay you right. I agree. There are a lot of bosses out there that are not heads, and they're stingy, all right? But Jesus knew that. And so Paul tells us in the book of Colossians, don't work for those guys. Work for Jesus. So every day when I go to work for my boss, he may not be the most generous boss in the world, but I bypass him, and I tell the Lord, Lord, I'm working for you today. I'm giving this to you. This is my offering to you today. I am working as if you're my boss. And my regular boss doesn't see what I'm doing. He never pays me enough. He's not right. He's not fair. I don't get credit. He takes my ideas and passes them off as an own. Blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing. When you work for Jesus, you cannot be stolen from. And you may not get it back that day. You may not get it Friday on payday. You may not get it next month. But guess what will happen? You wind up being over the boss someday. I've had it happen to me. I work for bosses who didn't treat me right, and one day later, and I think they're scratching their head. How the heck did that happen? But I am bigger than they are. Had more than they did. Went right on around them. That's the story of the Bible. God loves taking nobodies and turning them into somebodies. Somebody said, I'm a candidate, Lord. I'm a nobody. <laughs> Boy, if you're a nobody, you're in a great place. If, you're a no, if you make just barely enough to get by, you're in a great place, man. God loves taking people like you and me. He loves it, taking people like us and flipping things and turning it around. Can I get an amen? But you got to understand, money flows in channels. Did I tell the ice cream story here? in this service? I was 12 years old. My brother was eight. And we lived in a neighborhood with a lot of kids, and the park was right across the street. And so we organized baseball games, football games, and I don't know if we're playing baseball, football, but it's in the summertime. And we're all over at the park. It's probably baseball. And we're playing ball, and we hear the sound of music coming into the neighborhood. What is it? Ice cream truck. Every kid on the field drops his ball glove, except me and my brother. Because we don't have any money. We never had any money. We never had the money to buy ice cream. Never. Every other kid did. They ran off to go get their money. My mom and dad were split. My dad never paid any child support. We didn't have any money. Mother drank. So most of our money went to alcohol and cigarettes. And so, and by the way, you people that believe poverty is a blessing... You really hadn't been poor. When you've been poor, you know poverty is awful. 
I remember in the seventh grade not being able to get football cleats. Only kid on the team who had to play in his dress shoes because I had no cleats. Only kid on the team who had to wear a T-shirt over his shoulder pads. Could not go to the dentist because we didn't have the money. I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to be a dad and not being able to take your kids to the doctor as often as they need to go because you don't have the money. Been there, done that. Not having enough money to pay your car insurance always lapses. Every six months, I'm running out of money, and I don't get that car insurance paid. Bouncing checks, didn't, didn't know how money worked. You tell me that poverty is a blessing, I'll say you hadn't been poor. You hadn't been poor. I hear people talk about that, and there are people that grew up in relative wealth. I hate poverty. I hate what it does to people. That's why I'm doing this. I'm running a risk of being called a money man because I want to teach you how to come out of this. I didn't say I'm going to make you all a millionaire. I didn't say you're all going to drive a Mercedes or a Cadillac. I didn't say that. But it's God's plan that you have enough to leave to your children's children. And that's what the Bible says you'll do. All right, now I want you to listen to me. We're sitting there, and I'm watching all these kids running getting their money and eating ice cream. And I'm saying to myself, there's got to be a way for my brother and I to get ice cream. There's got to be a way. And I turned to him. And I said, you got any toys you don't like anymore? He said, a whole bunch. I said, I do too. I said, we're going to do something. I went inside and got our dartboard. And I took it out to the carport. And I put a nail right through the middle of it. And I nailed it into a board. And I nailed that board into the wall. And it made a pendulum. And I put a rope on it where I could stand off the side and pull that dartboard, and it would swing back and forth. And I brought the darts out there. And then we brought all of those old toys that we didn't like anymore, and we laid them all out for prizes. And we told all the kids in the neighborhood, the George brothers now have a carnival. We only had one game, but it was a carnival. It was a start. You know what I knew? I knew in my neighborhood none of our kids have money. They had to go get money from their parents. But you know what they all had, and they were all motivated to go find? Pop bottles. Four cents a piece. So for one pop bottle, you get a chance to win a toy. Everybody won a toy. We traded our toys basically for pop bottles. We just used the dartboard to do it. Before you know it, I've got a whole carport full of empty pop bottles. My brother and I had ice cream the rest of the summer. I learned that money flows through a channel. That, that carport and that dart game was a channel. That was an avenue to get some money. Now, my dad came in to visit us during the time. He didn't come around very much, but he came in, and I was so proud of what we'd done. I went and told my dad, and my dad put me down. My dad told me I was a thief, and my dad told me that I was crooked, that what I did was wrong. A lot of people think that anybody who makes a good trade is wrong. Listen to me. There's nothing wrong with a fair trade. It is a bad trade, an unjust trade. The Bible says a false balance is an abomination. What's a false balance? It's when you sell a car, you know the transmission's out, but you're able to hide it, and somebody buys it, and their transmission goes out when they, before they even get home. That's a bad trade. That's a bad deal. That's a false balance. It's abomination. God hates that. But when you are fair in your trades, God loves that. And God expects us to make money on our exchanges. I started working with kids in 1973. Worked with teenagers before that, but started working with little kids. We had a bus ministry. And we brought in all these bus kids from six different towns in our area. And they, bus kids are not your richest kids. You may not know that, but they, they don't come from the best homes and they don't have to come back to church. They don't want to come back. They're not coming back. Their mama ain't going to make them. They've got to like what you're doing or they ain't coming back. So I started seeing right away, you can't teach bus kids like you do regular church kids because regular church kids are hostages. They have to listen. <laughs> bus kids don't. And you either get it going with the bus kids or they ain't coming back and you don't have a crowd. So I thought, man, I, 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 I've got to do something. I'm talking about Samson and Delilah. I've got to do something that makes them want to listen. I took a styrofoam wig head and I spray painted it flesh color. I put two marbles in the eye sockets, dug them out with a spoon, 
put those marbles in there. And I put a wig on that wig head. And I talked about how strong Samson was. I talked about how he had a girlfriend that, that tempted him. And she got him to tell her what caused him to have such great strength. He said, if you cut my hair, I'll be just like other men. I pull that wig off and throw it down. And there's this bald-headed mannequin, bald-headed wig head with a couple of eyes there. And then I take a torch, a propane torch and a hot spoon. And I heat that spoon till it's red hot. And I stick it in behind those marbles and pop them out on the floor. And those kids are all looking at me. You could hear a pin drop. Next week, I'm preaching on Jesus is the Lamb of God. I went and got me a baggie, and I put some Cairo syrup in it and red food coloring and mixed it all up, and it made some good blood. Then I covered it with newspaper, and I formed a lamb, and then I spray painted it with white paint, and I talked about Jesus was our sacrifice. He died as a lamb for us, and I took a knife and stuck it in that paper, and that blood goes all over everywhere, and all those kids are watching. I was way out in the middle of nowhere in West Texas, and thank God there wasn't anybody else to talk to about how to teach kids. See, I was doing stuff you're not supposed to do. But the kids were loving it, man. I, I had more kids in my children's church than my pastor had the uh, adults in the auditorium. I had kids who were coming from 70 miles away to my children's church. We filled up a bus from 70 miles away. And then I had to think of things to do on that bus. I didn't have any money. We had very little budget. I had six cents per kid per Sunday for promotions. And some days I'd give up balloons. Some days I didn't have any money. So I'd tell my teenage boys, I want y'all to go out of town, hide in the trees on the, on the side of the road. And the bus is going to pretend to break down. I want y'all to rob the bus. So there was something happening on that bus every Sunday. Something happened. I got day-old bread. We mixed up peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm, it, it's crazy what all we did. But anyway, I became an expert, and everybody knew I was an expert on how to reach kids. So I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and God told me, he said, I want you to publish the curriculum you're writing for your church. I found out that curriculum was going to cost me $50,000. My salary for that year, 1977, was $10,000. Now I'm looking at a $50,000 project, and I don't have the money. So what did I do? I did what you'd do. I started hanging out with the men in our church who had a lot of money. <laughs> and I'm going to ask them. I get the first chance. I'm going to talk to them about how I get this money. Can you help me? And one by one, they all said, I'm not interested. They all turned me down. So what did I do? I did what you'd do. I got mad at them. Yeah. <laughs> they were supposed to help me. And that's one of the best lessons I ever went through. If you resent people who have money, guess what? You're never going to have any. My wife and I used to drive by houses at night. That's how we didn't have any money to go to the show. We could drive a little bit. I'd look for the big pop bottles, the ones that you get 20 cents for. Remember the great big giant Coke bottles? I'd get 20 cents for those. And we'd drive by and look into the houses at night. You can't drive by those neighborhoods in the daytime because you can't see inside. But at night, you can see how nice they are and the lights are on and all that. And I'd be driving by and I'd go, ooh, look at that. Isn't that neat? Dirty, rotten scoundrel. I bet he cheated everybody. <laughs> and you know what the Lord said to me? He said, you don't know about that man. That man may be self-made. He may have worked his tail off. He may have 50 employees that get jobs because he's worked hard. And you're judging him, and you got no idea how he got that money. And God said to me, you got to quit resenting people who have money. You can't judge them all. Jesus didn't resent people who have money. There were people who had money who supported Jesus. There are lots of them. Now listen to me. I said, okay, Lord. What am I going to do? He said, do you have the curriculum ready? Is it ready to be printed right now? No. Then quit thinking about the money. Finish the job. So it took me one more year to finish that job. Now that the job is finished, I said, Lord, where's my money? He said, you're sitting on it. Oh, this gets worse. I just kind of figured if I got done the curriculum that somebody's going to come with a check. Nobody came. All I got from God was you're sitting on the money. You got it. I'd get on my knees. I'd pray, Lord, where's the money? You got it. 
Where's the money? You got it. Lord, I, 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 listen to me. I made $10,000 last year. I'm making a little bit more than that right now, maybe twelve. but I'm not making that much money. How in the world am I going to make this? And the Lord said to me, there are people all over America who are crying out to me, asking me, Lord, they've given me a class, but I don't know how to teach kids. And they cannot come to the Bible school where you teach. You're going to have to go to them. And I did with six cassette tapes. I condensed my 12 classes on children's ministry into six one-hour messages. And I sold them for $24.95. Somebody said, you money grew up. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Every person who bought my set of tapes was thrilled to get them. They would have paid way more than that. They were thrilled. They got nobody got ripped off. I got blessed. They got blessed. The kids get blessed. So what's wrong with everybody getting blessed? See, the religious people will make you feel like anybody who trades anything is somehow it's ungodly. And that's why Jesus said the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of light is because we don't know about fair trades. And so what I want you to see is I started selling those tapes. I paid for every part of that curriculum up to the time of printing. And then the printer said, I'll let you have 90 days to pay me back. So I sent out a brochure to all those people, hundreds of them, who had bought my tapes. And I had saved their checks. And I had their name and their address. And I created a mailing list. And I had all of those names. And I mailed them out a brochure that advertised this curriculum and I sent the brochure out, and I calculated how long will it take. It takes three weeks for the direct mail to hit the coast, from Tulsa to the coast, about three weeks, and it takes a week or so to get the mail back. So if I wait, if I, if I mail out my brochure one month before the stuff comes off the press, then I'm in good shape. That's what I did. And in the 90 days, I had most of it paid for. I lacked a little bit, but the guy was so happy with what I'd done, he gave me a little more time. I asked the lady who helped me with the project how much came in. She said $50,000. Wow. Now, that's not how I wanted the money. I wanted a check from one guy. It's easier. But it would have been stupid. Because the next year I got to go back to that one guy again or somebody like him. But now I have a customer base. You know what it's like? It's like somebody saying, God, give me a fish. And God says, nope, I'm not going to give you a fish. But I need a fish, Lord. I'm hungry. I'm so hungry. I've got to feed my family. I need some fish. God says, no, I'm not going to give you a fish. I'm going to give you a rod and a reel and a tackle box, and I'm going to help you catch fish the rest of your life. Yeah. Pastor Willie, I want to know more. Good. That's why I'm going to be teaching tomorrow night at 630. And I'm going to get into detail about how you cause money to flow in your direction. So you do not want to miss it. And I want you to give a big hand clap to one of the biggest, not biggest, one of the best pastors in all of America, Jim Giles. Thank you, man. Thank you. Come on, wasn't that good this morning? Can you give it up for Pastor Willie? I am, you know, really, one of the things that I sense God is doing uh, if you've been here for any amount of time, you've been on this journey, you can tell God is continuing to mature us as a church. Uh, we've been a church plant, and we still are at, at some level, um, but we just turned six years old, and what, what I sense God doing is God is deepening our hearts and shifting us um, in our own stewardship. Um, I sense this even last year. You know, one of the things we can look at when, when God wants to do something uh, in his church, he, 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 the church are the people. He does it in his people. You know, sometimes you can say, wow, that church is blessed. And you can point to a location and say, well, that, that church is blessed. But, but it's not the building. How many know the church is the people? Like, we just happen to have a building. Now, one of the things with us being uh, portable is it's easier for us to say, like, we're the church no matter where we go. When we get this land and the building, we're going to have to continue to say that land and that building is not the church. We are the church. So whatever God wants to do in the church, God has to do in his people. 
And, and what I sense is God is breaking the spirit of poverty off of people's lives. Uh, and even those that operate at high levels, which we have amazing businessmen that, that, that are a part of this church, I believe God's wanting to break every ceiling and barrier that has limited you to the next level. Um, how many know we all have like barriers and limitations? What I've learned is every barrier is broken through relationships. That's the currency of life. It's almost like any breakthrough that's ever come in my life. I mean, Pastor Willie is a great example, even financially with us. Just God put him in our life at the right time, in the right season. And every time I'm with him, he's telling me this and that. And, hey, have you thought about this? And, you know, we're even going to go look at some properties. we got four or five properties right now we're looking at as a church. And, Pastor Willie, what you think about this? And it, the point is it's through relationships that barriers are broken. And what I want to encourage us, and I'm going to pray over us, is that God would expose any self-imposed limitations. Uh, God is a God of no limits. Uh, and, and so many times we're the limiting factor of what God wants to do in our life. And, and I love what it says. You know, I had someone say, well, you know, it sounds like sometimes that it could be you just want to be blessed. Um, and the truth is, can I say a big yes? I do want to be blessed. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. This is talking of Abraham, who God's covenant to promise was given to him and to his offspring, to us. It says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Everybody say bless you. How many want the blessing of God in your life? I, and he says, look, I'm going to make your name great. So in other words, when people think about you, they're going to say, wow, he's not normal. It's not just the average person. What I recognize is that we are the carriers of God's presence in this earth. So the question is, when they see you, what do they think about God? Right? We're the hands and feet of Jesus. And do they see the church? Well, the church is broke. God must be broke. I mean, no, heaven ain't broke. So God's got to free God's people of being broke and says, look. And he says, so I'm going to make your name great and you will be a blessing. A blessing. So I am blessed to be a blessing. Look, I don't, I'm not asking God to bless me so I can get a bigger house, a nicer car, newer stuff. I mean, those things are great and awesome, but that's not the end goal. The end goal is, God, we're going to bless this region. We're going to bless this city. We're going to bless the nation and the world. And so I want to pray that over you, that God's going to break every limitation. And it's not so that it's like, God, I want more. No, no, it's God, I want to be able to do more. I want, to, I want to impact people more for your kingdom. Father, we thank you for that. We, we, Lord, speak to the heavens to break off every limitation, every barrier, every mindset that God many times has been placed in our life as young children or growing up that it was wrong or maybe it's not the right mindset or mentality. God, I'm asking you to give us a biblical mentality, even as of last weekend as we've stepped into this series, Lord, that you are expanding our capacity. We make a demand on wisdom, God. Give us your wisdom. Give us your grace. Give us your strength. And there's those of you right now, I, I believe you sense God speaking to you about this and you want God to enlarge your capacity. Just right where you're at, eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. Just Could you just put like a cup out in front of you? I just feel the anointing of God. Just, just put your hands out, just like you're receiving, just, just like this. Lord, I'm asking you supernaturally that your anointing would flow in their hearts, that God, in their lives, they would experience breakthrough, that God, even as a symbolic act of fill us up, Lord, would you fill them up with creative ideas, witty inventions. Lord, I thank you for a super on top of their natural that God, when they go into the marketplace, when there's an exchange, the world would see, surely there's a God in heaven because it didn't come from us. And Lord, we promise that as you bless us, we will be a blessing. That God, we're going to give and we're going to sow and we're going to bless and we're going to be that giver, not just receiving, but giving. And Father, I thank you for that. This church, God, I'm asking you to let us be marked by the spirit of generosity. God, that people would see us and say, that church gives and gives and gives. And again, God, not the building, but the people. And Father, we thank you for that. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. There are some of you here in this place. God brought you here, and we've been talking about money. But that's not the real reason he brought you here. He brought you here because you don't have a relationship with him. You've never had a salvation experience, which is what the Bible talks about when we confess him as Lord and Savior of our life. The Bible says that if we will confess him as Lord, Romans 10, 9 and 10, and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says we will be saved. 
And I love it because it's a gift from God, not of works. You can't work for salvation. You can't do enough good things. It's a gift that God gives to us. It's by grace through faith. So the grace of God invades our heart, and we do it by faith. And I know that there are some of you here this morning, you're ready right now to experience the gift of salvation. You're ready to put God first. You're ready to surrender your life. You, you, you're here now, and the Spirit of God is moving on your heart. This is what I'd say. You've got to respond. Well, how do I respond? I want to lead us in a, in a prayer of surrender. And as we get ready to do that, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. I wonder if you'd be bold enough and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready to surrender my life to him. Just as an act of surrender, just raise your hand and say, that's me. Right now, in this moment, I'm ready to surrender my life to him. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, church, tell them how proud you are. It's an amazing moment. Now, let me just lead us in this prayer together. It's a prayer of surrender. Just say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of all of my sins. Cleanse my heart. I believe that you died and you rose again. And I'm asking you, be my Lord, be my Savior. Wipe away the past. Let today be a fresh start in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, worship God this morning.